Hello and welcome to the Addicts Anonymous podcast. I'm your host, Jamar. Today is episode 74 and we're going to be interviewing Chris Z. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. No, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to hearing your story. So let's dive in and let's get started with your childhood. How was that growing up? Um, my childhood was pretty good, as best as one can have, you know. My uh, parents divorced when I was young, so the divorce was pretty hard. I got two other brothers, you know, and so... Uh, my How old were you when they divorced? Uh, I don't remember, but a lot of people say I was like four or five. Okay. But it's not 100% sure because my parents never talked about it. and They never told us why they divorced, you know. It was just uh, always a sore subject in our lives, so I really don't know what how old I was or uh the reason why i just always remembered them being divorced as i was younger so my whole life growing up it'd always be mom's house or dad's house you know then we had a bad uh custody battle um my mom would always take my dad to court or my dad would always take my mom to court but uh they always tried to make sure we had the best life you know my mom she would she would work two jobs back to back and just to make sure that we had uh, the stuff we need as kids, you know. Uh, my dad, he worked a lot, too, and throughout the week, you know. Uh, but most of the times, me and, my, me and my brothers, when they divorced, we had to live with my grandma for a while because my dad and my mom were, uh, weren't were stable enough to raise three children. You know, they were young. And what do you mean stable? They had three children. What, what uh, were they doing that was unstable? My dad took the the divorce really hard on him, you know, and he just wasn't mentally stable enough to have three kids and plus go through the divorce. Then my mom, she she didn't have a house, a place of her own to raise three kids, you know. Yeah. She had to go uh, live with a boyfriend or something. I don't know where she lived or what she did, but we lived with my grandma for about three years, I think. Then she, my grandma had my dad come back in our lives. Then my uh, dad took my mom to court and had her come back in our lives. And I think I was seven, eight, somewhere around there when they started coming back in. Uh, I'm, I, I might get my uh, dates mixed up and stuff because it's hard for me to remember a lot from my childhood, you know. But uh, as we grew up, me and, my, me and my brothers were always close with each other. Then uh, I remember my, my mom she got with my stepdad and it was a big uh, abusive relationship. He would beat her a lot and uh, abuse her a lot and stuff, physically and verbally. And so we're around that most of our childhood. And uh, by the time I got my teenage years, you know, we didn't have a stable path. We joined gangs. Uh, 13 years old, I got ranked into the my gang. My oldest brother got ranked in first, you know. Then me and my brother, my middle brother, wanted to be like him. So uh, by 13, we all got ranked into the same gang and stuff. What gang? It's called the Eastside Blood Nine Trait. Uh, it's from New York City. They uh, So when we were younger, I'm from New Mexico, and my, my brother, his best friend's from New York, and his cousins left New York and went scouting for members. And... Uh, my brother and his friend got ranked into the gang first. Then uh, my middle brother and me wanted to join, you know, just to be part, so we all can be close, you know, 
have things in common. What, and, led, what do you think leaned you towards joining the gang? Was there a reason? Um, it's probably looking for acceptance in life. You know, I didn't have it from my family, from my uh, my dad, my mom. She was working all the time, so she was wasn't there in our lives completely. You know, uh, even though she tried her best to, she still wasn't there a hundred percent. You know, and my dad, uh, he would. He would he wouldn't want to do stuff, you know. He would get home and just want to hang out, and he wouldn't really uh show us the love and affection that we need as as a parent, you know. And so uh, we would ask him if he wanted to hang out, if he wanted to do stuff, and he would not tell us no, go find something to do. And so I guess after the years of them not being there, as we're growing up and stuff, uh, we looked for love and affection, the acceptance for the family, other places, you know. And uh, the gangs give us a, a fake reality of it at first because they said they'll always be there for us and that we're a family no matter what, you know, and uh, they always get our backs and stuff. And uh, my oldest brother would always uh, talk it up. And, and I saw how him and his friends hung out and stuff. And it was a big role in our decision making, you know. And my oldest brother, my oldest brother, my middle brother and me were always close. So if one did it and the other two always wanted to do it, you know? So we always stay by each other and always get each other's back, you know? Then uh, as I grew up, it just started going down the, down the path, you know? Uh, as I got into to, the game, huh? I was going to ask what kind of things that you have to do to be in the game. Uh, so when we got initiated, uh, we got beat up into it to show the sign of your toughness, you know, make sure you, you gotta, you gotta let like two guys, sometimes three guys, beat you up for a certain amount of time or whatever that gang's initiation is. Then when you're inside of the gang, you gotta show your faithfulness by putting in mission, or they call it putting in work. Uh, so it's either robbing someone, selling drugs, selling whatever they want you to do. But if you don't do it, then they beat you up. You know, it's a time, sign of a discipline, or they. Uh, called chin check you they punch in your chin something if you don't do it you know so just living that lifestyle it changed me uh especially just being a young kid it, it changed me a lot you know uh i wouldn't listen to my parents when they would tell me to do stuff uh i'd started stealing from stores stealing from people uh i started robbing people selling drugs at a young age um I started smoking weed and smoking cigarettes when I was 13, started drinking. Uh, then I started doing, getting to cocaine and pills real bad when I was 13, 14. Uh, then after that, we would, uh, I barely, I would be in school and I would ditch school or I would just show to school to like sell drugs and be with my friends and make, you know, but uh, I got pretty good grades for hardly being there and stuff, you know. Um, I passed school. Uh, as I grew closer, uh, I would get in fights a lot. You know, uh, a lot of times. Were there other gang members in school? Yeah, there's a lot. Mm -hmm. So we would always get in fights, or uh, they would always, like, most of the time, they would do their thing, and we would do our thing, and we wouldn't cross each other's path, you know, just out You're of respect. You're talking about other gangs? Huh? What are you talking about, other gangs? Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. they would do their thing and we would do our thing. And just out of respect for each other, we would stay out of each other's way. We wouldn't go across paths, you know. 
that's uh, we wouldn't do it at school. A lot of times we'll meet up at parks if we were gonna fight or like ditches or uh, you know other places where we would meet up after school. You know, if uh, the gangs if we were gonna fight anybody or do anything. A lot of times when we were at school, we just did our own thing. You know, stayed with our homies and they stayed with theirs. You know, then uh, as that, as time progressed. Uh, I got deep into it, you know, my, uh, my dad got remarried, and uh, when I was about 14, no, I was probably 15, maybe, yeah, about 15, I think, my dad got remarried, and he married my stepmom, and uh, she would try to love on us, be that parent, you know, that she wanted to be, but, you know, I wouldn't let her, and I disrespected her a lot, you know, uh, I would steal money from her paychecks and I stole a gun that her dad, when her dad died, uh, because, uh, I owed it, you know, I owed a gun to one of my friends. So I stole hers. Um, my, uh, as I grew up, then going, going back, why did you owe someone a gun? Uh, so we were getting high and we're going to go kill a rattlesnake. And I, I dropped I dropped their gun and I ran it over with a four-wheeler and I messed it up, you know. I was riding the four-wheeler high, trying we we're gonna go shoot a rattlesnake. And so I ran over the gun with a four-wheeler and I messed it up. And the guy said I owed him one. And so okay. I knew my I knew where my stepmom kept her pistol and my dad's back door didn't was wouldn't lock at that time, you know. So we went to his house early in the morning and snuck in and went and stole her gun gave it to my friend, you know, and, uh, as I grew up, I started to realize, uh, there was no hope to me, myself. I didn't think there was any hope because my dad and my mom, they were constantly fighting with each other. Then my dad's side would lie to me about my mom, about my mom and my mom's side would lie about my dad. And so I put up a big wall against my family, you know, because it was hard to trust anybody. And uh, so after this, I, I just stopped trusting my family, and I just went full in flesh with the gangs. Started doing heroin when I was 16. Started shooting it up. Um, Were other gang members shooting up also? Is that why? Yeah. Mm -hmm. my, my, my oldest brother and my middle brother got on heroin first. And... Uh, I got on, we got it on different times. My, uh, one of my friends gave it to me, you know, and I started smoking it at first. And then my oldest brother told me I was wasting it. And he gave me my first shot. He showed me how to shoot it up and stuff. Then uh, after that, I just liked it, you know. Uh, Let me ask you, were you scared when you first, like for me, I feel, I feel like I would be scared shooting up. Um. I was scared. I was nervous. I didn't know what to expect. Like, I had a bunch of friends OD. My friend James Jones, he OD'd prior to this, you know. Did he and, die? Uh, yeah, he died, yep. He died you, like... So you saw someone die and you were still willing to try it? Yeah, um, I didn't see him die. Uh, his dad reached out to all of us and let us know that he died and went to his funeral and stuff. And, but yeah, still was willing to try it. Because I trusted my older brother, you know, if he said it's okay, then it's my brother, you know, so I trusted his word on it. He was doing it. And so he gave me my first shot and uh, 
I remember passing out and getting real high and just then just liking it after there. Then started shooting up and doing all kinds of stuff. Started shooting up meth. Started shooting up heroin. I would mix them. And uh, you would mix time, meth and heroin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty crazy. You froze up on me. All right, sorry, we had a little technical issue there and we're back with Christopher and we were talking about mixing heroin and meth. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, did anyone you know show you that or was that something you did on your own? Uh, it was a big thing back at home. So they call it like speedballing. And so a lot of people were doing it, especially in the, uh, in like the gang area or just in the, my hood or my the streets that I grew up in, a lot of people were doing. It was a big thing. You know, it was pretty popular back home. So everyone, everyone was doing it. So it was, it was like a, a trend, I guess, in the drug addiction world. Yeah. And uh, so I tried it, and I liked it. You know, I didn't like. I liked it back then. You know, I thought it was give you like a, a adrenaline rush. And uh, but it's really dangerous. You know kill you pretty quick especially doing it at 17 18 years old surprise i I didn't die so what kind of things um were you doing after school you were just hanging out with the gang and i mean Uh, during school how was it you said you guys just ignored each other for the most part yeah so about a lot of times so i was in high school uh, let's see. You play any sports or anything? Oh, yeah. My bad. I, I lost my thought. Yeah, so I played football for a long time since I was a kid. And I played uh, all the way to, like, my sophomore year. And then uh, I quit doing it. My grades were dropping, and I was smoking meth at the same time. So, like, I, it wasn't working out very well, you know. I did. Yeah. My heart would feel like it was going to explode and I was like nah I'm all right so I quit football and my grades weren't that good so they didn't let me play that much and so uh I didn't find no use for it and so I wanted so I was going to join the military you know I got an ROTC and uh I, w- I stopped doing a lot of the drugs but I smoke a lot of spice uh what so spice a K2 a synthetic weed you know it was a big trend back then and you can get it from like smoke shops or just anywhere. Is it that and stuff that makes you trip for like a minute or two? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I tried uh, that. Yeah, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was it just out of nowhere you tripped. I remember yeah. I I still remember to this day. I felt like I was back in the Bronx, New York, with my grandparents. <laughs> I felt like I was back on their block. That's all I remember is I just felt like I was actually there, and then boom. You're back to reality. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so I, I did that when I was joining, wanted to join the military because I knew uh, 
they'll test for weed so I could, and all the other stuff. And this is when uh, Spice, you can attest for it. And so then I was doing that. And I was going to join the Army to get a way out, you know. My mom, she was going to sign the paper because I was 17, get a parent uh, permission form. Yeah. But uh, me and my friend were driving high, and we passed out at the steering wheel, and we crashed his car. And uh, a cop found the pipe on me, and they gave me a ticket for paraphernalia. And uh, I didn't tell the Army recruiter about it because I thought it was uh, something little, you know. And uh, they found out about it, and they uh, gave me a discharge, or they didn't allow, allow me to join, you know. They uh, uh, they discharged me for me, or uh, whatever. I can't remember what it's called, they, you know. But They took was, back the office. Yeah, yeah. I was going to – like, I had everything set up, my boot camp and everything the day I was going to go. But then – all that happened, and they got my background, and they uh, denied me for it. They didn't accept me. Yeah, that's that's that sucks. Military might have cleaned you up. Yeah. What did you do, What did you do once you didn't get into the military? Uh, I got pretty bad back on drugs again, and my uh, my uh, dad ended up kicking me and my brothers out. My mom, she we got in a fight with my stepdad, and he kicked they kicked us out. So. Me and my brother ended up living with my my grandma again, and uh, after that, I started doing better, you know. But I still do drugs on the side. But my my middle brother, he started stealing from my family, and uh, but he was in the fire department, and so everybody thought I was doing it, you know. And so my grandma ended up kicking me out because she thought I was stealing from the family, stealing my aunt's pills, and stealing all kinds of other stuff, you know. And your brother and your brother let that happen. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, we always in in the uh, uh, in the gangs, they always have a code. You know, you're not gonna snitch on or tell on one another, especially like that's my brother. You know, and he was in the fire department, so I wanted to make sure he was all right. You know, and so I took the hit, and uh, she, uh, my grandma, she like backhanded me for it and everything, because I kept telling her, "Believe what you want." Like I told her, I didn't steal it. I said, like, she's probably taking more. Like, I told my aunt was probably taking more pills or her kids were taking it. I said, but, you know, I told her I didn't take it. I said, I don't know what happened to it. And uh, they kept accusing me, so I just told her, believe what you want. She said, if you say it again, I'm going to backhand you. I said, all right, believe what you want. She backhanded me. So then uh, after that, me and my my grandma's and my relationship uh, went rock bottom. I stopped respect for her and she didn't have respect for me. And so uh, she kicked me out, so I had no place to go. Then my mom, she felt bad, and she let me come back in. And uh, my mom and my step, my mom and my stepdad were split up at this time, you know. And so I started living with my mom again, just me and her. But uh, she was still working two jobs, so by the time she would come home, she would pass out. And I had like freedom, you know, I could do whatever I want because my mom was at home all day to watch me. And by the time she come home, she would be passed out. And I can sneak out of my window and I can go do whatever I want, you know, as long as I'm back before she wakes up. And she never caught on until, like, my, my screen started getting bent and messed up for going in and out so much. And so then she started catching on that I was sneaking out. Hmm. Uh, I got caught stealing bottles from Walmart, alcohol bottles. 
and uh you um, mean liquor yeah liquor uh i would put them in a suitcase and i would run out of the mercy exit and i would go sell them on the streets to uh like friends uh like my my friend's parents would buy from me uh kids on the streets would buy from me and uh i was doing it for a while until i got caught then uh the cops made my mom uh come get me and stuff so that kind of didn't work out very well. Huh. No, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> then uh, my mom, she told me I need a, a better stop or she's going to have to like kick me out and stuff. Then uh, I was, this one night I snuck out and I went to a party at a friend's house and they got popped by the cops. So then the cops brought me back home. And my mom, she was pissed again. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, cops brought me back. Then... Uh, after a while, just my mom, she never, she always, she always wanted to be there for us. Never wanted to give her the cold shoulder, you know, until she found out my middle brother was doing my, she found out first about my older brother and my middle brother about the heroin and stuff. And she never believed it at first until my uh, middle brother came out. She didn't know for the longest time I was on it. You know, she just thought I, I was drinking and just being a teenager, you know? Yeah. It's until about my my brother and my, my my middle brother and my older brother were homeless on the streets, and I would sneak them in her house when she wasn't home. And at this time, her and my uh, stepdad were back together, and my stepdad told her that I was bringing my brothers in to eat and stuff when she wasn't home. And so she got mad at me, and she told me if I wanted to help my brothers and be there for my brothers, then I could be on the streets with them. And so she kicked me out, and because uh, I wasn't following her house rules and obeying her house, you know. Yeah. And so I left. I went on the street. Went to be homeless with my brothers when I was eighteen. Uh, we lived in tents. We lived. Uh, I stole tents from Walmart for us to live in. Uh, which when I first was my, we were living with this guy named Demetrius in his apartment. There'd be like ten of us, you know, doing drugs, living in there. And uh, at the time, I thought it was awesome, you know, living free, got with my brothers, you know, we're uh, living life. But, like, as we look back, it, we used to steal Little Caesars pizza out of the trash cans when they were closing, you know. So we have food. Uh, we would wait until 11 o'clock when they got rid of all their old pizzas and throw it away. We would go collect it, take it back to our house, throw it in the oven, warm it up, you know. And, uh we're eating that. and this time I was 18 and my older brother he robbed this drug dealer gave him the wrong uh, sold him a fake ring for drugs you know and my brother was using my phone so the guy called him back and uh, I went and paid my brother's debt because I, I had a job at the time and the guy had a respect for me for paying my brother's debt and helping my brother out and so me and him clicked up and started working together I would steal stuff, and he would give me drugs, and I would go sell the drugs and stuff. And he uh, he let me have a way to get off the streets, you know, as long as I worked for him and helped him out and stuff. And so I started living with him. We would sell drugs together, and I would go steal whatever we needed from, like, Walmart and sell them to people, like drills we stole. We stole uh, power tools. We stole whatever, you know. Baby monitors, cameras, security systems, uh, 
and we would sell them on the streets and make money. Then uh, we then I we got this house in Bernalillo. I was rent, renting from my stepdad, and uh, we turned it to we were buying stolen trailers. We were buying stolen ATVs, of uh, stolen guns. We had a big operation going on, you know. And I liked it because it helped me get off the streets, and I was making my own money. I helped my brothers out, you know. I got them off the streets, and we're all together and stuff. Doing, we're still doing drugs and everything, but we thought we're doing better, you know. Then I got locked up. We're doing residential burglary. It's a funny story. We uh, we needed a fridge for our house, you know. So I know where this. You needed a what? A fridge, refrigerator. A fridge, a refrigerator. Yeah. So we broke into this abandoned house to go steal one, and uh, the cops rolled up on us. And this is the first time I went. Uh, second time I went to jail. And uh, I got to put on a probation for it. Then I went back home, and a couple days later, the cops raided my house because we had a stolen trailer out front. Then I went back to jail for it. And uh, when I was in jail, uh, uh, I would get in fights. So I would run with my crew, Burnetowners, they're called, because uh, I'm from Bernalillo. And so uh, we would we would we would pretty much like run the pod, you know. We would beat up people, roll people out if we needed to. We always had drugs, um, like tattoos. We'd do whatever, you know. If we had a fight, we would fight, and you know, I thrived on that. I, I enjoyed it, you know. My uncle Casey was in gangs, and he would tell me stories about it. And now it's my turn to live it, you know, and tell stories about it. And uh, this is all new since I was 13, you know, so I enjoyed it. And uh, I was facing three years in prison for all the stuff that I got caught with stolen, all the stolen property, opposed to residential burglary. But they gave me three and a half years on pro- probation instead, you know. And uh, after that three years, I messed up. I, uh, been, I've been going in and out of jail my whole entire time. Uh, about uh, they sent me to like three or four programs I've been doing for my addiction. Uh, I did a bunch of stuff. Then after that, none of the stuff really helped. You know, uh, my stepdad died from uh, cirrhosis of the liver because he drank a lot. We used to drink with each other. You know, we did everything together. And when he died. Uh, I took a big toll on me, you know. And, uh, my 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 middle brother, he went to rehab and he got clean, moved to Texas, and uh, he wanted to help me out, you know, because uh, I got a DWI and I went to jail again, you know. I was I was on probation, and they told me to file out my probation for the rest of my time, and. Uh, I did about six and a half months. I uh, crashed my car into a off-duty cop when I got my DWI. Uh, so uh, I went to jail for that for six and a half months. And when I got out, I went to my brother's wedding. And I saw how good he was doing, you know. Uh, he was going to church. And uh, uh, he got saved. And he found, like, uh, Jesus in his life and stuff. So he was doing real good. And so I thought it was all, like, fake, you know. 
and I went and did a rehab. So I'm like, you know, hold me, start over. I'm about 23 now, 24, 23. It's just a couple years ago. And uh, I finally surrendered, you know. I was like, all right, my family wants me to go get clean. I'll go and get clean for them, you know. I'll go do a program for a bit and play the role, you know. So I went down to Texas to the rehab. My brother went. Uh, I did uh, 11 months, I think, 10 or 11 months, got clean. Uh, it was a faith-based rehab. So I told him, you know, I found God. You know, I got saved. You know, now I want to go uh, live my life and tell people about it. And so I went back to New Mexico to help this church. And I ended up getting in trouble messing up at that church. So uh, I went back home. What'd you do? How'd you mess up? Uh, I slept with the pastor's daughter. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah. And so uh, I went back home, uh, back to Albuquerque. And uh, I got back on heroin and meth. And started back in square rope one, you know. And uh, I was probably back home for three months, four months. And, man, this time I was so miserable. You were still living on the streets? Uh, No, my mom, she let me come back live with her because she didn't know I was on drugs at this time. I was living with a friend when I first got back home. And uh, I started drinking again. That's how first I gave a little small compromises and I started drinking. Then uh, one of my coworkers was on heroin, and he gave me some. I told him, you know, I'm not going to shoot it because it turns me into a different person. So I started smoking it again, making that compromise, you know. And uh, I, so I, I was a big believer. I would go to church, you know, and I had a faith. I still have faith this time, you know, I, God helps me do it and stuff. And uh, But this time, you know, like, I wanted to kill myself, you know, I, like, I took out my shotgun and wanted to end it. It was just different this time. I was more miserable, you know? Yeah. And so my brother told me to just come back to the program and do the program again, but, you know, I didn't want to do a program. I was like, no, I'm fine. So my brother, he called the cops on me because uh, I told him I was being suicidal and stuff, you know? And uh, so, like, I went on the run for a while. Because I thought the cops were after me because I was driving without a license and I knew I was going to jail, you know. Well, the cops stopped me. And so, uh, so then after that, my brother's and I relationship didn't get that well because he called the cops on me, you know. And uh, you what you were pissed at him? Yeah, huh? You were pissed at your brother? Yeah, yeah. Because he called the cops on me. Mm. Uh, Sounds like he was worried about you. Yeah, yeah, he was real. My whole family was worried. So then, I was I was driving back home. Uh, this cop pulled me over for uh, not wearing my seatbelt and speeding, and uh, so I thought I was going to jail. And so he ran. He found out that I didn't have uh, a license and stuff. And uh, I believe. Uh, so me personally, you know, I got I got faith today. So I feel like God was working in my life at this time because he didn't let me go to jail. I went back to the rehab. You know, this cop told me he has all reasons to take me to jail, you know, but he told me he wants me to get my life together. 
and go back down to Texas and go to this rehab I'm going to. Because I told him I was so close going back to rehab. And uh, so he let me go. go. Uh, he let me go, you know. And the next day I went to rehab. I I decided uh, that I was done with that lifestyle, you know. I made a commitment for myself. I was sick of tired being sick of tired, you know. I was losing out on the lot, you know. I was hurting my family again. Most important, I was hurting myself, you know. And I just wanted to stuff out of life. I knew I was getting older by a minute, and my life's miserable. You know, I didn't accomplish nothing out of life, and I'm I'm stepping backwards, you know, going back to the gangs, going back to the heroin and stuff. You know, I wanted a new life. And so I went back to a rehab down in Texas, and I made a commitment, you know, I'll stay clean and whatever it takes, how hard it takes, and I'm going to make a commitment to myself and God that I'm going to keep going, you know. And uh, this time it was pretty good. I met my wife and we had, you know, she, she went through the program too. And uh, we had, we ended up getting together after the rehab. And ended up getting, you, what, what program are you talking about now? So it's called the Roloff Homes in Corpus Christi, Texas. It's a faith-based rehab. And so uh, they, uh, it was really strict at first when I went there. It was like, really a strong Baptist belief, you know, and uh, I'm not real big into the Baptist doctrine, you know, but I believe, like, there's a higher power, you know, God's there, and God helped me, you know, and I believe that Christ is the God, my God, you know, uh, everybody has different opinions, you know, and I believe he helped me through it and stuff, and that's where I, I built a relationship with him was at the program, you know, and, uh, and as I kept growing, we would go to church there. It was a 16-month program. The first nine months, you can't leave the property. You have to stay there, you know. And they give you devotions. They uh, teach you stuff. They, uh, uh, and then you go to church, you know, and they tell you how to live a sober life. We work on the property. We do. We take care of the property, you know. Then uh, you go to Honor Dorm. It's another six months. And they give you more grace. You can leave the property and go do stuff as long as you're with a staff member. And so I did that and uh, I ended up getting on staff at the program, being a leader in the rehab. And uh, I'll start teaching RU, you know, Reformers Anonymous, uh, an addiction program. Started being part of it and, uh, and I really enjoyed it you know, by this time. I was out of the program for about six months, living on my own. And I left that. So I left that church because a bunch of church stuff went down with it, you know, and a bunch of church problems were happening. And me being sober and finally getting my life together, I didn't want to be a part of it, you know. Yeah. So my, brother, my brother's family, me and my wife, we left it and moved to Dallas, you know. And uh, now... We're just trying to start our own life out, you know. October, I'll be three years clean. Trying to live. Uh, this June will be a year that me and my wife been married. And I got so much rewards on this side than I did uh, in my addiction, you know. I like to tell people, worst day sober is 20,000 times better than my worst day in my addiction, you know. Because 
I'm not, I'm not having a bad day and with Jolin get at the same time, you know, at least my, now my day, if it's bad, it only lasts for a couple hours, not freaking a couple days, you know, as I'm kicking, you know, and uh, I have more joy now because I know who I used to be, you know, I'm not, today I'm not who I used to be, you know, and uh, I have more, any days more is better today than it was, you know, so that helps me keep my joy, you know. Yeah. Because young gal, I'm not homeless. I'm not robbing people. You know, my family trusts me. Uh, I got a four-year-old daughter who loves me, you know. And my addiction, I would have none of that. You know, I'd be in prison right now or I would be dead. You know, my cousin, he just OD'd in August from it, you know. We had to go be a part of his funeral. And I had to read the the uh, a paper for his parents because his parents, my aunt and my uncle couldn't do it. And so I had to go read the eulogy. That's what's called eulogy for at my cousin's funeral, you know. And we were, he OD'd on heroin. We are all close growing up, you know. And the last thing I told him was that I was going to see him at his funeral, at his funeral because he didn't want to get clean, you know. He didn't want the help that we're giving him, you know. And uh, we stopped talking last time. And last time, I, last time I seen him was when I was at his funeral, you know. We were putting him in the ground. And so now uh, I take days for granted and I'd like to forgive people as quick as I could, you know, because you never know when the last day is. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You never know. Yeah. And now I still struggle with stuff from my past, you know, um, like times, uh, uh, let me see, like times I, like, I know it's just, me playing with myself, but like times, um, I think about the days within the gangs or days I was locked up, and I was like, man, that was a good time. But then I got to tell myself, no, it wasn't. It was miserable. You know, I was away from my family. I, I didn't have no fun. You know, there's times and where I like I still get mad, and I've got to control. My, you know, I got to control myself. Just from from the PTSD from locking up, you know, being locked up and being in the gangs and from the trauma. But uh, it's helped out better, you know. My wife helps me out a lot of my problems. We talk about it, you know. She was a former addict, so we help. We can relate to each other and help each other, you know. Yeah. Uh, she she was a former heroin addict just like me. She shot up and stuff, and so we have a lot in common. So we can help each other, you know. So I got blessed in that part to have her as my wife because it's hard to be married to someone that doesn't know or been through your addiction, you know, and can't relate to the, the demons you have, you know? Yeah. Uh, you always think, like, they try to explain it to someone, your addiction, you always uh, you always think they're going to judge you or put you down for it or, you know, they're going to shame you for it. So it's hard to to help, tell people about your addiction, you know? And so yeah. well, this this time when I got sober, I just told myself I was going to open it up more to people, not not be ashamed of it or not be uh, to tell tell what happened, you know, to tell uh, uh, where I came from and where I'm at now and how I got there. And so, I, like, my coworkers now, I work in an auto shop, and I, I tell them, you know, I used to be a heroin addict. I used to be in gangs. And, but I tell them, but this is who I am now, and I've been sober three months. I go to church. I'm a husband. You know, I'm a father. And you know, it's time when people can change, you know. And 
as long as we love on people and show them that they're worth it instead of judging people, uh, anybody can change, you know, no matter how long you're doing it. Yeah, it's a great story. Pretty got it all uh, concise, and I like it. It was very interesting. So let me ask you this question. Do you have any advice for people listening or watching? Uh, yeah. Uh, if you know a buddy is struggling with addiction, whether it's a family member, whether it's a, a friend, a loved one, a spouse, don't. Because uh, with my family, my personal, I got an older brother that's dealing with it. And my mom, she's a sweetheart. She's 11, but she doesn't understand an addiction, you know. So she wants to tell my brother all his wrongdoings and point him so he can realize what he's doing wrong, you know? Yeah. But uh, we, as us addicts, we know what we're doing wrong. We don't need our family shoved in our face. We know what the demons throw back at us. You know, everybody, t- like, we we constantly hold it against ourselves, you know, because what our addiction done, you know? We just, just got to love on people and show them, you know, that, that, that they can forgive themselves, you know? Um, it's harder to it's hard, but you got to forgive the addict for whatever wrong they've done you. You know, it's, it's the challenge. But once my mom forgave me for the stuff I did, uh, it helps me forgive myself, you know, to knowing that someone forgave me for doing harm to them. I can forgive myself for doing it. A lot of times it comes up in my mind, you know, I just got to remind myself that it's forgiving. You know, I'm a new person. And because if we give into that to that uh, the demons, we're just gonna keep going back to our addiction because we're gonna fall into our depression. It's just gonna be a continuous cycle. So I guess the advice I have to the guys is forgive yourself, forgive others, and uh, don't throw people's wrongdoings in their face. You know, because we all make mistakes. We're all human beings. Nobody uh, is perfect. You know. Just try to love on each other because there's a lot of hate going on in this world. You know, there's so much hate. All we can do is uh, make a difference by loving one another, you know, as we love ourselves, you know. Great advice. So I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I want to thank you for coming and telling your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. No, it was, it was a great story. I'm glad that you're doing well right now. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate having and allowing me to share it with you. No, is there anything else you want to add? Um, no, uh, I think no. If anybody, uh, hope a lot of people get help with this podcast. You know, uh, I, uh, me myself always want to help addicts myself also. So I appreciate this podcast. I appreciate what you're doing with an addictions. And a lot of when I first was coming up, a lot of people wanted to hide their addiction, you know. But now it's 21st century. I love how people are coming out with their addictions and touches my heart and I and I pray every day that one day we don't have to see it that everybody can that we can be addiction you know and that uh we uh that kids will stop dying from it and people that families will get healed you know I pray that that people that addictions won't be such a big thing you know and less people are OD for a year you know yep but I appreciate it All right. I appreciate you for coming on. So for anyone listening and watching, if you like what you've heard and saw, go below and click subscribe and give us a like. Also, check this out on Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts. 
Um, also check us out on our Facebook group. If you go there to the events tab, you'll see that every night at 6.30, we do a Zoom meeting and it gives you all the information as far as the link. And that's all I have for today. So until next time.